0: Anyway, you got your Bible, Isaiah 53. I, I, I'm going to leave off kind of, I'm just going gi- to just give you my introduction, but I'm not going to preach my introduction, but I, I, I want to get on into the message. But let's read it first. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, that when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he should divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Heavenly Father, I pray you just anoint me, Lord God, and let me say what I need to say, and leave off what I need to leave off. But God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight. Let us just uplift the Lord Jesus tonight, and uplift the Father tonight, Lord, in all this. And we'll give you the glory. Lord, that's what we're here for. We're here to worship you and to to praise you and give you glory tonight. Thank you, Lord God, for all the exhortations and all the things that's been said and done around here this week. But God, I just pray now we'd be able to get around your word for just a little bit. And Lord, just give us something from it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Now this Isaiah 53, it's incredible in its prophecy. You think about how how uh, meticulous uh, some of this stuff is and how uh, it came to pass the way that it did. Uh, it, it's just incredible in its prophecy. It's inexplicable in its perfection. This is, this is a perfect ver- this is a perfect chapter, just like all the rest of the chapters in this King James Bible. Amen. Amen. Ain't nothing needs to be changed. Ain't a word. Ain't a phrase. Ain't nothing needs to be changed. It's just like it needs to be. It's 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 inexplicable in its, in its perfection. It's intense in its power. There's a lot of power in this chapter. I remember hearing Oliver B. Green saying that that a lady that 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 was one of the altar workers there in, in his under his tent. Uh, she knew there was a Jewish man uh, one night in, in the meeting. And after service, she she cornered him and she read him Isaiah 53. And when she got done, she said, who's that talking about? And he wouldn't say just by his head. She read it to him again. And he, and she said, who's that talking about? And said uh, he wouldn't say. And she read it to him three or four times and kept asking him that. And finally he broke down and he went to squall. And he said, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's who it is, Jesus. Yep. He messed around. And got saved over there. Over that. It's. It, I mean, it's got so much power. I mean, anything that deals with the death, burial, and resurrection, the blood, it's got so much power. Amen. And it's incomparable in its portrayal. It. it it's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and and in his his passion, the fact that he went to that cross. It's it's speaking of that, and 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 that's that's just the whole thought. Of the whole chapter is the cross. The cross. Uh, Portions of Isaiah 53 are quoted in seven New Testament books. All four of the Gospels, the book of Acts, if you remember in Acts chapter 8, that Ethiopian eunuch just happened to be reading Isaiah 53 when he got there, you know, and uh, on that scroll, and and Philip jumped up in the chariot and preached Jesus to him, and he got saved. And and then in Romans 10, 16, and 1 Peter 2, 25, it's, uh, Isaiah's uh, talking of himself and Israel and, and even us. Uh, because he's saying we and, and us. And he, he's, he's at that time talking of himself and, and the nation of Israel. But we can apply it to us now. We know that. We can apply it to us. But the main character, of course, in this chapter is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see him all in this. But what I want to deal with tonight, I want to deal with God the Father in this chapter. Amen. God the Father in Isaiah 53. There's some things in here uh, about God the Father that I just really want to bring out and look at. Uh, and and we'll, just, we'll give God the glory here, all right? Number one, I want you to notice that God the Father uh, was, was seeing in this chapter, he was seeing, and I'm to talk about in my father, in the Father's eyes, in the Father's eyes. How did this look? How did Calvary look in the father, from the Father's perspective? Amen. In the Father's eyes, how did it, how did it look? Well, first of all, let me just say this: in this in this chapter, God the Father was seeing. In verse two, look what he said: "For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant." And as a root out of a dry ground. He said, He shall grow up before Him. Well, who's the Him? It can't be anybody else but God the Father. That's right. I mean, uh, God the Father knew Him before time ever started, before. Uh, God ever set the clock a ticking there in the Garden of Eden that uh, before anything ever was made that was made that uh, God the Father God the Son that uh, and God the Holy Ghost was in perfect harmony uh, in the Godhead. that uh, listen and I ain't gonna uh, argue with the Jehovah's false witnesses about it that uh, there's things about the Trinity I don't understand uh, but I believe it that uh, because the Bible says it amen uh, I don't have to argue about it wonder about it I, there's things you got to believe by faith that, or you just can't handle it. Amen? It's by faith that we believe that book. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and hey, I don't understand it but I believe it. He was there with the Father in the beginning. But in the fullness of time when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son at, into this world and and God the Father oversaw that, that he oversaw it when the holy ghost overshadowed Mary at, and there at, and that baby uh, was, was was in her womb that God the Father was overseeing that at, and when he was born at, uh, in, in in Bethlehem that in that uh, uh, barn in that that stable that uh, in a in a, uh, a feeding trough amen that uh, that's basically, that's what that's all the main. Roger is the feeding trough that where well, those animals could eat to hay is the cleanest place in the place? And, and uh, boy, had that baby there, and God the Father was overseeing that there. God was overseeing him and, uh, as he grew up there and the child and those, those wise men came when he's probably around two year old you know or so uh, when those wise men came uh, and worshiped before him God the Father was looking down I believe smiling uh, on everything that was going on and uh, as he was raised up in that carpenter shop God the Father was watching him at uh, every step he made every move he made uh, and God was smiling God was enjoying that, uh, uh, watching his only begotten son uh, uh, when he came into this world God was seeing him there God saw him when he went into the temple that time and began to teach some of those elders and scribes and all of them they began to hear him teach and I believe God the Father reared back and folded his arms and smiled at whenever they said how did he learn all of this amen I believe God the Father was real and happy about all that but when he got about 33 years of age and he went over there to where John the Baptist was that and, and John was out there and, and Jesus went down in the water and said, John uh, you got to fulfill all righteousness and, and I'm going to have to be baptized to you. and John said no, I need to bap- you need to baptize me. He said no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And whenever, uh, there, God had already told John, the one you see the Holy Ghost descend down on uh, he's the one, amen. And whenever he baptized Jesus uh, I believe God to fall got so excited that God the Father got to the place that he couldn't keep silent any longer. He'd been silent in heaven all that time saying whatever he said and keeping it inside the third heaven. Hey, but whenever his only begotten son began his earthly ministry and identified with the sinners that were repenting there at the the, the baptism that John was baptizing that God the Father couldn't hold it back no longer, uh, God the Father said, that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, uh, God got excited about it, uh, hey you can believe what you want to and thank God uh, it's like some old father time sitting there, uh, sitting there in heaven uh, with his cane uh, and was just that long beard and waiting, uh, just to see what you know, no, 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 that ain't the way God is uh, hey, uh, God gets excited every now and then, you say prove it, I will, amen, Hey, there over there in Luke 15, uh, you've got a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, going out of that one uh, and bringing him back to the fold, uh, and he said, Rejoice with me. Amen. And then you've got uh, the picture of the Holy Ghost when that woman sweeping that place out, and uh, looking for that one lost coin, uh, and when she finds it, she said, Rejoice with me. Amen. And then that Father. Uh, And that father, when that boy come home, that that father, that that boy's trying to repent and get right and all that. And he, he, God just don't, I mean, the father don't even seem to uh, show any signs of listening, anything he says. He knows he's repented. He knows his heart. And by the way, it ain't about what you say when you get saved. It ain't about what you say when you come to God. Amen. He knows what's in your heart, and that's what counts. Amen. And he knew that boy was getting right. And he was saying, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Go kill the fatty calf. Go get a ring. Go get a robe. Go get the shoes and put on his feet. Hey, and he said, Let's make him merry. And he got excited. Now, in that portion of Scripture, there's a verse that tells us there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. Now, I'm gonna quote Brother Rufus. You remember Brother Rufus? He used to say this. He'd say, that might be grandma or grandpa. Because they may be up there in heaven and God may let them... (laughs) look. I remember an old boy, I can't remember the boy's name. You remember his name, Daddy? that feller, in Atlanta? That's a feller down in Atlanta for a long time, uh, wrote some songs, and uh, uh, I sung one of them that he wrote. He got to tell us about it, and I just couldn't stand it. I had to sing it because it just touched my heart. He, here's what he said. He said, uh, he, said he, he, he was lost, and he said his mama had prayed for him all them years and said she died without seeing him get saved and he said uh, not long after she died that he said i got saved and he said uh, uh, he just wrote a song about the thing he said I, he wrote a song said i believe that god let mama watch it when he wrote my name I just believe sometimes God will call them over there and say, hey, uh, come over here and look and watch what I'm fixing to do. Uh, that one that you prayed for, that one that you had a burden for, uh, that one that you didn't know if it's ever gonna come, uh, I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna write it down where you can see it. I want you to see me write this down. Amen. And there might be grandma or grandpa that's rejoicing. Uh, uh, and it might be mama or daddy or son or uncle or aunt or whatever. Uh, but it might be God. Amen. It it didn't say the angels are rejoicing. It said there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. So God gets excited. And boy, he really got excited when he saw his boy come up as a tender plant as a root out of a dry ground. But then number two, not only was God the Father seeing, he was smiting. is when it gets tough. He was smiting. Verse four, look at verse four. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Wow. You say God had something to do with his death? Oh, yes. As yes. Brother Samuel would say, oh, yes. He had something to do with his death. Now, people will say, well, nationally it was the Jews. Yeah. Well, that, that's right, they... They were the ones who said, let his blood be on us and on our children. Amen. They were the ones that said, we'll take Barabbas and crucify Jesus. I mean, they were the ones doing that. But, judicially, it was the Romans. They had the jurisdiction. They were in charge of that part of the world at that time. They had taken over. And and, and Pilate was right when he said, "Uh, uh, don't you know I have the power to to have you crucified, or let you go. But Jesus did correct him a little bit on where he got that power from. He said, you'd have no power at all except my Father in heaven had given it to you. He said, that's that's where you got it at. Amen. And and we know that uh, judicially it was the Romans. Practically, we ought to just all fess up and say it was us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we had, might be made the righteousness of God that in Him. That's where, that's what, but physically it was Jesus Himself. What did Jesus say in, in, in John chapter 10? He said, No man takes my life, I lay it down of myself. And he said, I have power to lay it down, I have power to raise it again. And, and hey, listen, He had the power. Matter of fact, when He said, you realize everything Jesus ever said, came to pass just like he said it. So when Jesus on that cross, he said, it's finished. Then he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. The Bible said, and having said thus, he gave up the ghost. In other words, when the T, on the end of that word spirit left his tongue, his spirit left his body. Nobody's ever been able to do that before. People take their own lives all the time. But no man's ever been able to speak their self gone from their body. But Jesus did. But theologically, theologically, when we look at it right here, we're we're getting the theology of Calvary right here in this chapter. We're getting the theology of, 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 of Calvary. Theologically, it was God himself struck the death blow. It was God himself, God the Father. Look here. Listen, that's why God cut the lights out man had had his way with him, that man had beat him, man had spit on him, that man had buffeted him, that man had scourged him, that man had done all manner of evil against him and said all kind of hurtful, wicked things about him, but that was done, that was over, now it's time for a great transaction, that to take place between God the Father, and For three hours here's what happened look what he said look in verse uh, verse four says the three words stricken, smitten, afflicted look here in verse five wounded, bruised, chastised, striped all that's in there verse seven he was oppressed and he was led to the slaughter. Verse 10, he bruised him and made his soul an offering for sin. Mm. My, my. God was the one that did that. Man man didn't have any... Listen, somebody had to take the wrath of Almighty God and it had to be Jesus. Nobody else could have took it. When people die and go to hell, they're trying to pay... They're paying the wrath of God, but they they can't pay the debt. That's why it's eternal. That's why you don't just burn up when you go to hell. It's an eternal thing that uh, trying to pay a price that's already been paid. Uh, when Jesus said that it's finished, he meant exactly what he said. That uh, I believe that he, I mean I ain't got an ounce of Calvinist bone in me nowhere in my DNA anywhere, that uh, I believe it's whosoever, uh, and I believe everybody from Adam to Revelation 22 that uh, uh, God took every sin and uh, every wicked rotten thing uh, that's ever been done uh, on the face of God's earth that uh, every wicked thought that everything that's been imagined in the mind of man our Satan, amen was placed upon him and he died for our sin he was made our sin I can't explain that I don't know how deity can become sin but for that three hours there was some, such a great the reason God cut the lights out because we couldn't understand it well, I can't understand that, and there's—I just believe it because it says it right here. Can't understand it, but I'm telling you, friend, that was a great transaction. That old song said, "Tis done, tis done." The great transaction's done. Thank God it's done. He was seeing, he was smiting, but number three, he was substituting. Look at verse six. The last little bit, the last half. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at verse four. It says our griefs, our sorrows. Look at verse five, our transgressions. Look at verse, that's verse five, I'm sorry. Then verse six, look, look at the first two words and the last two words. All we and us all (laughs) <laughs> oh my All we and us all They said D.L. Moody one time was, uh, was in this town And this boy had been to D.L. Moody's meeting all week And he didn't get saved and, and he woke up that morning It was a Saturday morning And, and Mr. Moody was, was going home on the train And he realized, hey, Mr. Moody's leaving this morning So he ran down to the train station And all the people was gathered out there to wave at, at Mr. Moody when he left Brother Moody was leaving they're all waving. it. Back then, they loved preachers. <laughs> and they hated to see them go. Now it's good riddance when they go. Amen. But they loved them back then. They even wrote, put, their, put their sermons in the newspapers and everything else back then. <clears throat> they don't do that now. They put everything but that in there now. But uh, think about it. He's out there. And here this boy runs up alongside of the train. Mr. Moody's hanging out the window, waving at everybody. And this boy runs along beside the train. He said, Mr. Moody, Mr. Moody, he said, uh, I didn't get saved. What do I need to do? He said, Isaiah fifty three, six, son. He said, Go in at the first all and come out at the last all. You'll be saved. He said, What do you mean? Well he said, All we like sheep have gone astray. In other words, you got to, to realize you're a sinner like everybody is. Everybody's got to come that way, and God the Holy Ghost has to show you, and the Word of God has to show you and that you are a sinner and that you have no hope without God. Amen. And all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way. You realize you're going the wrong direction. Repentance is right there in that verse. That's right. But then he said, But the Lord hath laid on him. You want salvation, you've got to turn to him. Yes. You've got to turn to Jesus. He's the one that take, took taken care of it, amen? The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And when you get to that all, you're doing real good, amen? Oh my, think about that substitute, that substitutionary death that he died. Reminds you of Abraham and Isaac going up that mountain. And Isaac's a perfect type. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the way till they get to the top. He even lays down on that altar. He's he's willing to do whatever the Father's will is. But when it comes time for him to strike the death blow. Another picture of God the Father. But it had to stop right there. And change. Isaac couldn't die for himself. Amen. Jesus didn't die for himself. That's right. He, he, He knew no sin. He knew no sin. But what happened? There had to be a substitute. See, while while Abraham and Isaac's coming up one side of that mountain, here comes that ram up the other side. And that ram probably got there right before they did, and God said, get over yonder and meander around in them bushes a little bit and get your horns caught in that thicket right there. And just hang on. I'm going to need you in a minute. And when the angel of the Lord stopped his hand, he said, Don't you look over yonder? There's a ram. And that substitute. And that all of a sudden the ram became a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that was our cross. We every one of us should have been on that cross. We should have been on that cross. We should have have been the ones there. But we couldn't pay the debt. So we had to get somebody else to do it. The Lord laid it on him, the iniquity of us all. I'm telling you that there's, there's so much in this that I, I, can't, even, I can't even bring out but, but think about it like this, like that ram and think about that lamb in Exodus 12 see that, that death angel is going to come through down in Egypt and he said when, verse 13, when I see the blood I'll, I'll pass over you and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. There had to be a lamb and that lamb's blood had to be applied To that door. And that death angel had to see that blood. I'm so thankful when it comes my time to die. And that death angel passes by. He's going to see the blood. The blood has been applied. Amen. Amen. And that scapegoat. Think about the scapegoat. It was a substitute. One, One goat died. And that blood placed on the other and and, and that high priest, you know, put his hand on him and confessed the sins of the people. Can you imagine how long it must have been to have been the high priest and try to confess all the sins of all the people of Israel? That took a while. But he had to confess all his sins and then they had to take him out yonder. A just man had to take him off out yonder in the wilderness and turn him loose. A signifying of the taking away of sin. Oh my. It's all about a substitute. Daniel 9, 26, he said the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. It's for us. Amen. Verse 8 here in our text, what does it say? It says he was cut off out of the land of the living. It was all for us. It was, he was our substitute. Not, not only was God the Father seeing, smiting, substituting, but number four, he was satisfying. Look in verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Now I want you to get this. Verse 10, verse 10 and 11 right here, I want you to see these things. Now I want, I want you all to look at me right here. I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to point up when it's God the Father and I'm gonna point down when it's God the Son. He's on the cross on Earth. God the Father's in heaven, and I'm, I want you to see the wording. How, the, how that God's all in this verse. These verses right here. Look at this. Amen. Look at verse ten. He said, "Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's right. <laughs> he hath put him to grief yeah. when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin." He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his day and the pleasure of the Lord that shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. That God the Father had seen a lot of sacrifices that made ever since Genesis all the way down through the Levitical system and the law and all of that. God had seen lamb after lamb after lamb slain he goats and bullocks and all. Saw everything else that was slain and God had seen all those sacrifices but he never was completely satisfied until the day that he looked just outside of Jerusalem on that hill called Calvary and he saw his only begotten son there and he said hey here's a sacrifice that I can be satisfied with God said I'm satisfied with this right here I'm satisfied with it. Nothing else could have appeased the wrath of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, why in the world won't God uh, uh, destroy nations like, I mean, he ought to destroy America. And and he is. He's just letting us destroy ourselves. He ain't doing it like he did in in, in the days of Solomon. and Gomorrah. Why? Because his son appeased the wrath of Almighty God. We're living in the day of grace. There's a reason for that. When this day of grace is over, buddy, it's gonna be over. (laughs) Amen. Oh, I had one of them boys try and tell me, well, uh, pre-wrath rapture dudes, I said, what part of the tribulation ain't the wrath of God? Explain that to me. Well, it don't say wrath. I said, I'd call all that stuff wrath of God. And if you're left behind, you're going to call all that stuff the wrath of God. Amen? I mean, that's what it is. That crowd, they, they I don't want to get started. Y'all don't want me to get started. I promise you. Y'all want to go home for that. But think about that. Hebrews ten four said it's not possible to blood bulls and goats could take away sin. It just wasn't impossible. But God set that thing up to show us. Why was the law here to begin with? Romans what's romans 320 three ten 320 by the law is the knowledge of sin why did think about it. God let him kill all them animals for all that time just to show mankind how much he hates sin and just how important it was for there to be a perfect sacrifice Just think about it. thank God brother Ricky we're not we're not Old Testament priests. Amen. Every day we'd go home with several sets of bloody clothes that we'd have to get washed and and cleaned, or maybe I don't I don't know what they did with them. Maybe if they threw them away or if they got new ones or if they just washed them over again. But think about all the blood and the stench and you gotta take the bowels out of this and then you gotta take them off and you gotta do this and standing there at that altar all day long and sacrifice that or sacrifice that or sacrifice Thank God we didn't have to come in tonight yeah. with with, the, with our uh, uh, cattle trailers full of animals to sacrifice. Yeah. Many people say all here, it took us all night to sacrifice. Yes, Every preacher in here would have been up, been somewhere cutting cutting throats and cutting them apart and whew, thank God we're through with that. Yeah but it was there to show us how much God that hates sin and and, and by the law is the knowledge of sin. God said, thou shalt not, and we have. God said, thou shalt, and we didn't. Therefore, there had to be a sacrifice. All this crowd trying to live the law without sacrifice, and that makes no sense. Him Seventh-day Disadvantaged crowd, they, they... I talked to one of them the other day I said just how much of the law you got to keep You just want to talk about the Sabbath And a few little little Minute details But you don't want to talk about the sacrificial system You don't want to talk about having to bring A turtle dove and having to bring a ram And having a he-goat and all You ain't sacrificing nothing What in the world are you keeping the law for? Even the Jews now, they can't sacrifice like they're supposed to sacrifice. Why in the world are they trying to keep the law? Law's no good without blood. Hey, even, even those articles, everything they, everything they put in that tabernacle and, and everything they put in the temple, it all, it all had to have the blood applied to it. There had to be blood shed for it. But there was never perfect blood shed for it. But when God the Father saw God the Son, on that bloody hillside of Calvary. Yes. He said, that's the blood I've been looking for. Yes. Or oh, is it Psalms? I forget which Psalms. It, it talks about that inquisition for blood. That means a looking and a searching for blood. Hey, hey, And I preached a message on that one time. and I ain't going to preach the message too, but, but I, talk, I got talking about their songbooks. You having to look for the blood in their songbooks nowadays. They don't even... you know. Some, I think the Methodists took the blood out of the songbooks a few years ago and all the songs about the blood that done away with them. The Bibles, modern Bibles, takes the blood out. Right. I mean, uh, they ought to just change their songbook to fit their Bibles. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Or what can loose away my sin? They don't say wash. You know, well, they, they like to mess with the blood. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to leave the blood alone. right. You know what he said? He said, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Verse 12, but this man, Hebrews 10, 12, but this man, after he'd offered up one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down those high priests that would go into that tabernacle and they never had a place to sit down. It was not an article of furniture to sit down with. No, it was the, I mean, they had to go by the labor. They had to go in there and and work on the candlestick and the showbread and the golden altar of incense and and then the high priest only once a year behind the veil. I mean, it was no place to sit down. It was work, work, work. The law said you got to do, do, do. But when Jesus died on the cross, he said it's finished he meant it's done and it's done away with and thanks be to God it's over and God the Father was satisfied he said in, in chapter 14 of Hebrews 10 he said for by one offering one he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified if you're saved guess what you're perfected You're you're still in your flesh, but hey, there's a part of you that's just as safe as it's ever gonna be. Praise God. But lastly, he'll be spoiling. Look at verse 12. Therefore, in light of the fact that my son did all this and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, he said, therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul unto death. Amen. He was numbered with the transgressors, bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. God, God the Father just couldn't get over how obedient his son was. He said, so therefore one of these days I'm going to give him everything that rightfully belongs to him. Amen. Now as far as we're concerned, Calvary is the pinnacle of all things. Calvary's, Calvary's it. That's why we sang about Calvary. But in God the Father's eyes, let me just tell you what he said Psalm 2, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine the vain thing. Y'all been asking that question lately? The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, yeah. Jesus Christ, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. They don't say that about the Muslims. They don't say that about no other crowd in the world. It's just Jesus Christ and his crowd. They want to break their bands asunder. You know what God said about it? He that said it, in the heavens shall laugh. There's coming a day when all this grace is over with and it's just God's going to say, ha, ha. And it ain't no life that's funny. It's, no, it's derision. He intentionally speaking to them in his wrath and vexing them in his sore displeasure. He's going to speak to them in his wrath. And he's, here's what he's going to say. I like this part. This is God the Father's pinnacle right here. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I have declared the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son this day have I begotten thee. Say, what does that mean? That's the reason he, it's the reason he let him be born. He, he let him go to the cross. He, he was obedient for all that. But God's got a greater purpose for him. He's going to put him on a throne. And the whole world, and I'm like Brother Sammy, whole world means whole world. Amen. I'll never forget that. Hey, Harmony Street down there in Gainesville. These girls come in one night, and Brother Sammy had been there like six weeks, and, and uh, they'd never seen nothing like him before. And he, he went back there and asked and said, Would you girls like to know what whole world means in the Greek? And he's spitting all over them, you know, and they ain't never seen nothing like They're just all... And uh, he said, get you a pencil and a piece of paper. Well, they're scrambling in their pocketbooks trying to find something to write down. He said, write this down. Whole world in the Greek. He said, write it down, girls. You pay close attention. I'm going to say it real slow so you can understand it. Whole world in the Greek. It means whole world. I still believe that too, amen. And, 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 And I believe the whole world, the whole world, the whole world. And we're talking about the whole world. Hey, is going to bow down. Every knee shall bow. Every knee. Matter of fact, Ezekiel tells us they're going to come in through the north gate. And they're going to come by and worship the king and exit out through the south gate. He tells us they're going to come in through the south gate, go by and worship the king, and exit out through the north gate. Now, they can't come in the eastern gate. That's for the prince. Amen. But they're going to come in and out. And Zechariah says if it don't come down every year to feast the tabernacles, that they don't get any rain in their country. Yep. You say, "Well, that's the strange sounding stuff. It's Bible. That's yes. Bible. Right. Just read it. Get over them prophets and read a while. They'll, they'll teach you some stuff that's going to happen one of these days. Amen. Yeah. And, hey, I can't wait. I get to be there. He said, where I am there, you may be also. We get to be with him right there where he's at. He's going to have his bride with him. But he's going to be sitting on a throne. And God the Father said, I'm going to divide. You know what he said? Another thing he said in Psalm 2. He said, ask of me. He's talking to his son now. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. That just means the Gentiles, the nations. And the the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. He said, I'm going to give it all to you. He's gonna rule it with a rod of iron. He, matter of fact, he told his mama. God sent word to his mama before he was ever born. He said, He's gonna be the king. Amen. He's gonna sit upon the throne of his father David. Yes. God said, because he poured out his soul unto death. Because he was obedient to that cross. Because he went and died for the sin of the whole world. I'm gonna put him on that. Woo, he said, I'm going to put him on that throne. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for the day when he gets what's his. I get sick and tired of the world treating Jesus the way they treat him. I get sick and tired of hearing him cussing him and hearing him uh, uh, talk evil about him and talk down at us and, and those of us that believe that Bible, hey, one of these days that they're going to have to bow down and that Bible's going to judge them one of these days after a while. That book's going to be open. And if they speak English, that King James that they can't stand is going to be the very book that they have to learn what the these and the thous mean. Because God's going to speak it to them. Amen? You say, what do you, how do you believe God speaks? I believe if he speaks to us that speak English, he's speaking King James English. You believe what you want, dude. I believe that's what he's going to speak to us. Now, if you use another language, he'd speak whatever that Bible is, it's right for that. But hey, one of these days it's going to happen. All because he poured out his soul unto death. Listen, John 3 16. Says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That has been said many times. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Yes. All right. But here's the thing. Isaiah 53 is John 3:16 in detail. Yes. It's telling you how that took place. That's as close as you're going to get to knowing what went on. Amen. As close as you're going. You ain't going ain't to dig much deeper that, than what Isaiah 53 says. You take Isaiah 53 and Psalm 51 and you learn more about the death of Christ than you do in the Gospels. I mean, we, we, we read what happened in the Gospels. But it just said, there cru- they crucified him. There they crucified Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 gets into some really heavy duty detail about what's going on. Boy, the kicker is, he paid it all for you and I. He paid it all. It's all done. It's taken care of. And if you don't know him, there ain't no time like now That's right. to get to know him.